0: Today on The Matt Walsh Show, a teacher admits publicly that he's afraid online learning will interfere with his ability to brainwash his students, and many other teachers chimed in to agree with him. When the school system says this sort of thing out loud, uh, we should listen. Also, five headlines, including more looting in Chicago, and a controversy over a troll's doll that seems sort of silly at first, until you take a closer look, which we will. And in our daily cancellation, I will cancel NASA. Uh, for putting social justice ahead of space exploration. I don't want to have to do it, cancel NASA, but I have to. And uh, we will today. All of that on the way. But first, let me tell you about our sponsors, uh, Legacy Box. Legacy Box is uh, a very simple mail-in service to have all of your home movies and pictures digitally preserved on a thumb drive, DVD, or the cloud. Don't let those priceless family memories disappear because that's what happens if you don't take action. Uh, It really is. it's, It's that simple. It will go away. Are your family's memories trapped on old camcorder tapes or film reels remember magnetic stripes uh magnetic stripes are degrading and not made to stand the test of time so let the science be the solution especially because disaster happens you know it's an unfortunate reality and one that no one can ever really prepare for don't let your memories fall victim to the disaster digitize those memories now i can tell you that uh I have taken many of our old memories, preserved in antiquated formats, formats that leave them them vulnerable to becoming degraded or destroyed. Uh, You have a flood or something, you've got a box of old tapes, well, those are gone. So I've digitized those memories with Legacy Box, and just the experience of getting the Legacy Box in the mail is a lot of fun, and it's really special, I can tell you that. Listen, the process from start to finish is extremely easy. You pack, you send, their team digitizes everything by hand, send it back to you, you enjoy. Simple, done, easy. Simple as that. Everything is digitized by hand at their uh, secure 8-acre digitizing campus. They use premier scanners and playback decks to ensure each memory is mastered to the highest quality. Legacy Box is the world's largest digitizer of uh, worlds of, of home movies and photos and has helped over 850,000 people Get those memories stored just like that. Get started future-proofing your memories today so you can gather the family and begin the trip down memory lane. Go to LegacyBox.com Walsh to get an incredible 40% off your first order. Buy today to take advantage of this exclusive offer. Send in when you're ready. So you buy today. You send in when you're ready. Go to LegacyBox.com Walsh and save 40% while supplies last. Okay. In one of the creepiest yet most revealing Twitter threads ever to be posted on the platform, I think, a teacher recently fretted out loud that virtual classes might allow parents to hear him brainwashing their kids. And he's very afraid of that. Matthew R.K., an educator and author of a book called uh, How to Lead Meaningful Race Conversations in the Classroom, worried that, quote, conservative parents would be able to interfere with the, quote, messy work of indoctrinating children into critical race theory, gender theory, and other left-wing dogmas. Here's the entire thread, uh, which has since been set to private, but here's a screenshot of it. It says, "Uh, so this fall, virtual class discussions will have many potential spectators, parents, siblings, etc., in the same room. We'll never be quite sure who's overhearing the discourse. What does this do for our equity-slash-inclusion work? How much have students depended on the somewhat secure barriers of our physical classrooms to encourage vulnerability? How many of us have installed some version of what happens here stays here to, to help with this? While conversations about race are in my wheelhouse and remain a concern in this no-walls environment, I am most intrigued by the damage that helicopter-slash-snowplow parents can do in the, in the uh, host conversations about gender-slash-sexuality. Sex And while, quote, conservative parents are my chief concern, I know that the damage can come from the left, too. If we are engaged in the messy work of destabilizing a kid's racism or homophobia or transphobia, how much do we want their classmates' parents piling on? That's what he had to say. It's important to note that while some teachers responded to Kay's comments with the appropriate level of horror and disgust, Many others chimed in to share their own strategies for brainwashing during, during a pandemic. Apparently, this is something that uh, teachers have thought about and have come up with strategies for. One teacher said that uh, she'd also been, quote, thinking about the problem that Kay described and had decided that she'd ask her students about their preferred, preferred pronouns via survey, uh, though she still worries that, uh, quote, caregivers might see it and learn something about their children that they weren't supposed to know, apparently. Another teacher said that students last semester would sometimes, uh, quote, type secrets into the chat whenever the discussion turned to, quote, anti-racism and gender-inclusive content. Another complained that a, a white parent, she made sure to specify white, in her district recorded a Zoom class and then, quote, filed a complaint against the teacher for, anti-racist, for, a, for an anti-racist read aloud, saying the teacher's commentary was inappropriate and biased. And this, the teacher says, is going to be an issue. A ninth grade teacher shared, uh, shared in the commiseration saying that her class required students to, quote, read and respond to a news article. as part of her class. But that participation in this exercise is stunted now because, quote, outsiders are listening. The outsiders, to be clear, are the children's parents. And another teacher with pronouns listed in her Twitter handle, so you know what she's up to, said that uh, she plans to use the chat function more than voice lectures because she wants children to, quote, share that information with her in a, quote, parentless way. Then a science teacher agreed with all the sentiments expressed here, but summarized it bluntly, saying, parents are dangerous. And these are just the comments that were captured in screenshots before the tweets were all made private. Presumably, there is more where this came from. A lot more. Now, I think several points should be made here in response. First, this may seem like a side issue compared with the very large problems unwittingly or maybe not so unwittingly exposed by the thread, but it should be said that that classrooms are certainly not safe places for children to be vulnerable. Students may say and do things when they're with their peers in school that they wouldn't say and do at home, But only a fool who doesn't understand the first thing about child psychology and the effects of peer pressure would assume that the child's at-school version of himself is the most authentic, much less the most healthy. The, The pressure to conform to the values and opinions of your peers in the classroom is immense and overwhelming and often suffocating for these kids. There's a reason why rejection and alienation by peers has contributed to a true epidemic of suicide among young people. Suicide is skyrocketing among young people. And in fact, the very same people who extol the classroom as a safe place for vulnerability will also tell us on different days and in different contexts that bullying is a major problem at school for today's youth, and many of them are driven to self-destruction because of it. So which is it? Is the classroom a place for open and genuine dialogue where children can safely express their truest uh, feelings and beliefs? Or is it a place rife with bullying and mockery where rigid conformity is demanded and those who fail to meet the demands are severely punished? It certainly can't be both of those things. And the answer is that is it's much more the latter than the former. Second point. An adult keeping a secret with a child and helping the child conceal that secret from his parent, especially when the secret has anything to do with sexuality, is acting in a way that is nothing short of predatory. Now, if you heard a strange man on the the playground whisper to your child, this'll just be our little secret, okay? Don't tell your mom and dad. You would assume that the man is some kind of sex offender and respond accordingly. Does this behavior suddenly transform from disturbing to admirable if the strange man is a teacher? No, it doesn't. But this is a sort of license that society has given to teachers on the theory that they cannot do the work of educating unless they have more power over and intimate knowledge of their students than the students' own parents do. Which brings us finally to, to point three, which is that a public school teacher is not supposed to be and should not try to be educator, parent, shaman, spiritual guide, therapist, friend, confidant, and sex counselor all rolled into one. He is meant to fill only the first role of educator And and only in the subject that he's been assigned to teach, so it's very limited. A child's actual parents can only become to be viewed as dangerous and intrusive and outsiders when teachers begin to view themselves in the school system as the true guardians and, and conservators of the children that are temporarily in their care. And that ultimately is the problem with the modern education system. Children are not old enough to be emancipated. They can't go out and and live their own lives. They can't make every decision for themselves, or even most decisions for themselves. They must belong to someone, not to say owned like objects, but cared for and protected like the vulnerable and relatively helpless human beings they are. The fundamental question is, who do they belong to? Different cultures and different times and places have had different answers to that question. Here in contemporary American society, there are generally two ways of looking at it. Children belong to their parents, or they belong to the school system, which is to say, the government. In one vision, a child is a son or daughter. In the other, the child is a ward of the state. Only one of these visions is healthy, natural, and humanizing. Only one can properly facilitate a child's emotional, mental, intellectual, and spiritual growth. The school system doesn't just have a wrong and harmful idea of what education is. It has a wrong and harmful idea of what a child is and what its fundamental role in a child's life is supposed to be. And that is why I will not be sending my kids into the education system's clutches, and neither should you. Let's move on to our five headlines. As we get into five headlines here, I want to tell you about uh, one of our new sponsors on the show, Car Shield. You know, when you want to get something fixed on your car, it can be uh, terrifying to consider what the bill might be. We've all been through this. It's uh, it's not a very fun waiting game where you send the car in and you're just waiting around, waiting to get that phone call, find out how much it's going to cost. Computer systems in cars are the new normal, from electronically controlled transmissions to touch screen display- displays to dozens of sensors. Uh, and all of that is it, it can be good but you know you, you can't fix any of those features by yourself. So when something breaks, it could cost a fortune and now is not the time for expensive repairs. CarShield has affordable protection plans that can save you thousands for for a covered repair including computers, GPS electronics and more. The people at CarShield understand payment flexibility is an absolute must, especially these days. Monthly plans can be customized to your needs with rates as low as $99 a month no long-term contracts or commitments CarShield gives you the options that others won't you get to choose your favorite mechanic or dealership to do the work and car takes care of the rest so you still have the power to to, to make those choices um and they're also going to offer complimentary 24 7 roadside assistance and a rental car uh, while yours is being fixed so all of that comes with it car shield has helped over 1 million customers and why don't you be 1 million in one uh, for as low as $99 a month, you can protect yourself from surprises and save thousands for a covered repair call, call covered repair call 800 car 6000. That's 800 car 6000 and mention code Walsh or visit carshield.com and use code Walsh to save 10%. That's carshield.com code Walsh. A deductible may apply. Okay, number one, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot was uh, out this weekend uh, serving and protecting the, the citizens of Chicago, uh, and Lightfoot found a, a dangerous group of lawbreakers who uh, she, she was sure must be brought to justice. And, well, let's just take a look. Um, here's, here's what she tweeted. It's a picture of a bunch of shirtless guys in Speedos standing around in the grass near a lake, I guess. And she says, it's called a pandemic, people. This reckless behavior on Montrose Beach is what will cause us to shut down the parks and lakefront. Don't make us take steps backwards. And then she follows up. In case you were wondering, I stopped by to see for myself. It's being addressed. Yes, um, the shirtless speedo guys at the lake—they're the—they're uh, the problem here. Take care of them. You know, because that's—that's that's the real issue. It's them, and not this. What you're seeing here is looting in Chicago. Again, last night, they were looting all over the city. No cop in sight in many of these videos uh, because Lightfoot has them focus, you know, on the speedo problem and not the looting and rioting problem. Um, you know, n- not the problem of anarchy and destruction raining down on the street again and again and again and again and again, and again night after night after night after, after night. If you're curious, by the way, they're doing this. Uh, ostensibly because police shot a guy who had a gun and had shot at them. The guy didn't even die, as far as I know. But there was a guy with a gun, shot at police, police shot back, he got hit, and now they're rioting because of it. Because police, I guess, are supposed to, at this point, they're supposed to just drop their guns and just offer themselves up to be killed. Just walk up to the bad guy and say, okay, I'm here, do what you will, Anything less than that is uh, oppression. But you just look at these, and um, you see these these the, the footage here. Uh, you know, this is this is obviously this is a, a fascist dictatorship where cops murder people in the street, and all of these poor protesters live in fear because of it. Yet every night, people casually riot and and loot and stroll aimlessly out of burned out retail outlets. With armfuls of stolen shoes. Does that make a lot of sense to you? Does it make a lot of sense for for you know a, a, a woman who, who's who's wandering out of a coach store with a box of stolen purses saying, I, I live in fear of the police. I live in fear that the police will come anytime and kill me. Is is that what you do? If it I mean, if you're being oppressed and you live in a fascist dictatorship and you're worried about police who are prowling the streets just looking for an excuse to kill somebody? This is how you respond? I mean, are these people who who, who really seem to be afraid of authority? No, it, it would seem like the problem is very much the opposite. Number two, uh, let me just give you the headline here from The Daily Wire. It says, Hasbro pulls troll doll amid concerns that toy normalizes sexual exploitation. That's the headline. And I have to tell you, my wife... Um, informed me of this uh, controversy the other night and and uh, said that there was some kind of thing about a Trolls doll. And my immediate reaction upon hearing that was to think this is just another example of people being hypersensitive and dramatic. Uh, not to mention, I thought, if somebody actually sees a Trolls doll and, and ties it into anything sexual, well, that's just a reflection of their own perverse mind. Okay, that's like, get your mind out of the gutter. That's what I thought until I saw the video of the doll in action. And uh, it kind of changed my perspective a little bit.
1: In order to take it out of demo mode, you have to, the instructions say to sit the doll. Um, So you put her legs
0: out and you sit her down for five seconds, which by doing that, um, pushes the button. But now, oh, boop. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, disturbing. That is definitely disturbing. Now Hasbro claims that they place the button there because it's, it's, it's supposed to make those noises when it sits down. But first of all, why would it make those noises when it sits down? Is that, does that make sense? Since when does sitting down elicit sounds like that from, from anyone, even a troll? Second, even if there was, uh, you know, even if there were innocuous intentions behind this, how could it be that nobody at Hasbro, through the whole process of manufacturing and distributing this thing, how could it be that nobody anywhere ever went, uh, guys? This is a button in the doll's crotch area that causes it to squeal when you touch it. That's uh, that's weird, guys. Like, how did nobody think of that? How did nobody point that out? See, here's the thing. I'm, I'm never perplexed by uh, individual people doing stupid things. That doesn't ever surprise me. And I'm also not surprised by whole groups of people doing stupid things all at once, like we've seen in our streets across the country uh, and in Chicago last night. So none of that, like stupidity and mass hysteria. Okay, neither of those surprise me. I get it. That's how people are. But what, what always does surprise me a little bit is when you've got a succession of individuals making a considered choice and that choice right down the line is horrendously insanely stupid. That's when I scratch my head because you don't really have the mass hysteria element, and it's not just one person. So there's a right there's checks and balances here and right down the line. I mean literally down the conveyor belt. Nobody noticed anything wrong with that. Um, now some people are saying that this was done to intentionally advocate child sex trafficking or whatever. I, you know, I think that theory is a little bit intense. Um, I go back to Hanlon's razor, which is never attribute to malice. What could easily be explained by stupidity. And so I, I think that probably applies here, but either way, it is, uh, very weird to say the least. Number three, I'm going to play this for you with no setup. Just, just watch.
1: If you look at, like, the 1990s and the way that Rush Limbaugh and others sort of sharpened
0: their teeth on Bill Clinton, this has been the way they've built audiences for three decades now. Yeah, I don't want to claim it's new. I just am arguing that it's getting worse. It's getting more severe. Uh, Aaron, your view of this, you know, when you see um, entire media companies essentially exist to tear down Joe Biden, is there an equivalent to that on the left tearing
1: down Trump? Uh, there, there really isn't. And, you know, what I would say, it, it, it's a, it's really a diet of, of this type of information that a lot of these voters are getting. A lot of the voters that I talk to, I can, uh, you know, when I interview them, I do hear uh, them saying a lot of the talking points that sound very familiar from, from some of these shows, which I try to listen to when I'm out on the campaign trail or when I'm yeah. at home, uh, you know, watching TV. You know, you can you can hear these uh, these comments being echoed. Uh, by, by voters, and you know that this is the diet that they're on. Uh, cons- you know, AM radio, uh, you know, conservative talk, uh, also social media. I mean, the Trump campaign is running a full-blown campaign on social media that is completely off the radar for for a lot of a lot of uh, you know regular media uh, is not covering this. But I mean, you have folks, Laura Trump, C- Kimberly Guilfoyle, Katrina Pearson. The campaign is is running you know kind of a parallel campaign online, and and if that's all they're getting, you know, to the exclusion of of kind of the more traditional legacy media, uh, you know, then it it really is no surprise kind of of what their understanding is uh, of this country and, and of our politics. Such an
0: important point, though. Simply amazing that they could keep a straight face throughout that exchange is astounding. I mean, this is really this is like a guy dumpster diving naked, chowing down on like a soiled diaper, maggots all around old banana peel on his head comes back up and says you know when you see people in drive through lines at sonic i mean that's really unhealthy that's 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 got to be the most unhealthy diet in the world right takes another chomp of the diaper just the self awareness level here is arctic levels this is sub zero okay self awareness uh, number four, CNN is trying to whip up a, a race controversy, and I know that you hear that statement, and it's rather evergreen, okay? You hear that, and you think, oh, so it's Monday, okay. But let's be more specific. Uh, here, Here's the latest fake race controversy from CNN. Reading now from their article, it says, a black student was forced to take off his Black Lives Matter face mask in order to graduate, his family says. Dean Holmes, a student at York Catholic High School in York, Pennsylvania, put on a Black Lives Matter mask under his face shield at his... July 28th graduation ceremony. As students lined up before the ceremony started, the school's principal pulled him away in front of the other students and told him to take off the mask. Holmes had previously been told by, uh, by another school official to take the mask off, so he eventually relented for fear of not being able to walk across the stage, he said. Uh, Holmes said, quote, I was so mad. I was shaking during the graduation, tapping my leg on edge. When it was over, I couldn't believe it. York Catholic had opted to give every student a face shield instead of a mask for the ceremony. Holmes' father, John, took to Facebook on Saturday, saying that the school stifled his freedom of expression and jeopardized his health. The capricious, This is John now. The capricious action taken against my son demonstrates that York Catholic High School has miles to go before they can put the ugliness of unconscious bias and racism to sleep. As a parent, I will not stand for my son being humiliated publicly, having his basic human dignity crushed, on what should have been one of the happiest days of his young life. Okay, a few things to cover here. First of all, John Holmes, calm down, you drama queen. Basic human dignity crushed because he couldn't wear his favorite face mask to graduation? His human dignity is crushed because of it. That's how you crush a person's dignity, really? Well, if your sweet, precious child's dignity is hinged on something as superficial and weird as his face mask, that's a different issue. Okay, he, need, he needs counseling for that. Also, Dean Holmes, calm down, you drama queen. You were shaking, really? You were so sad and upset you were shaking because of this, because you couldn't wear your favorite face mask. What kind of man shakes when he's upset, much less admits it publicly? You're the one crushing your own dignity. I, I agree your dignity has been crushed, but by you, not by the principal. Also, most importantly, just so you know, the school has a policy. Nobody is allowed to wear anything to graduation that has any kind of message on it. Nobody. That's been the rule at the school since always. And it makes sense. They don't want graduation to turn into an event to advertise political viewpoints or any other viewpoint. And they want uniformity. That's every graduation I've ever been to, and I've been to quite a few. That's how it is. Everybody looks exactly the same. There was a, there was a, there was a, a hubbub, uh, at, I don't think it was at this school, but at some school a couple of years ago, when uh, a student, uh, I think it was at a college, wasn't allowed to wear his, uh, his military dress blues uh, across the stage at graduation. And even there, I would say, I mean, obviously it's a, it's a wonderful thing that he has the uniform and that he serves his country, but at the graduation, this is, it's a different uniform and everybody's supposed to look the same. That's the point. So there's a dress code is the point. And uh, everybody is held to it. No exceptions. It's a dress code. You have to just follow the dress code like everybody else. You're not special. Why should Dean have gotten an exception? Because he is. Is, is he special? Why is he special? Because it, well, I know he's daddy's special boy. But does does that mean why should anyone else care about that? Give me one good reason why this particular person should be exempt from the dress code that everyone has always been expected to follow. That's what Dean's uh, father, that's what John uh, Holmes is saying here. What he's saying is, yes, there's, there are rules and there's a, there's a dress code, but my son is special. He shouldn't have to follow the rules. This is my special son. Oh, shut up. This is, this is, I mean, among other things, this is terrible parenting. You're the father. You you should be the one. Your your son is crying and shaking because he had to follow a dress code. As the father, you're supposed to be the one smacking some sense into him. Instead of going to Facebook, you'll never believe what happened to my boy. Shut up. Number five. Finally, the National Park Service posted to Facebook a couple days ago, um, Giving advice on what to do if you come across a bear. Uh, And they say, if you come upon a stationary bear, move away slowly and sideways. And this allows you to keep an eye on the bear and avoid tripping. Moving sideways is also non threatening to bears. Do not, they say, run. But if the bear follows, stop and hold your ground. Like dogs, they will chase fleeing animals. Do not climb a tree. Both grizzlies and black bears can climb trees. Do not push down a slower friend, even if you think the friendship has run its course. Now, I know this last comment about the slow friend was meant to be a joke, right? Uh, But I just want to say this, uh, you know, this is not a joking matter. And they shouldn't be making light of it. Um, Yes, you absolutely, obviously, you absolutely should not push down your slow friend. If you come across a bear, that would be an awful thing to do. um, Because if you push him down, then he'll be in a submissive pose and the bear might not attack him and may keep pursuing you instead. So... If, and this, this is really a point. If your friend is slow, d- there's no reason to push him down. L- let his slow, dumbass keep running. You go off in the other direction, and the bear's going to go for him. I mean, this is just basic. Now, if there's something you can do to slow your friend down further without stopping him from running. So let's say, for example, you're in a lake or something, and you come out of the lake, and uh, there's a bear there. Um, so one thing you could do is grab his shoes and run off and now that's going to slow him down, hinder him a little bit. And then when he gets mauled and killed by the bear, the bonus is uh, you also now have a new pair of shoes. So, I mean, these are things you could do. I I just I was really disappointed that the National Park Service had an opportunity for a real teaching moment here, but instead they went for the joke. And that is, uh, as I said, just really, really disappointing. We're going to go to our daily cancellation now. But first, I want to tell you about Our most exclusive membership tier over at The Daily Wire, which is All Access. All Access members get to join All Access Live, which is our exclusive live stream Q&As hosted every night by each of the hosts, including myself. I'll be doing one tonight, as a matter of fact. Um, You also get not one, but two leftist tiers tumblers with your membership, as well as early and sometimes exclusive uh, access to Daily Wire products, which you saw last week with our limited Count a collector's edition baseball bat available only to all access members, and those things went really quickly. So, head over to slash Walsh right now to get 20% off all access with coupon code ACCESS. That's slash Walsh with coupon code ACCESS to get 20% off your membership. Today, for our daily cancellation, we're going to be canceling NASA. It seems that with Elon Musk and other private entrepreneurs taking over the job of actual space exploration, NASA has had to find other things to do. Rather than explore the vast unknown of space, going where no man, woman, or non-binary person has gone before, and expanding humanity's understanding of its own place in the cosmos, NASA now has plunged itself into a different sort of lethal vacuum, and that is far-left activism. Two examples of this shift, Um, one hilarious and stupid, the other even hilariouser and stupider. First, a far-left professor, Ibram X. Kendi, who wrote a book about... Um, systemic racism called how to be anti-racist, which that teacher also wrote a book just like that. So I mean, there are a lot of books, a lot of books on this subject. And uh, he was invited to by NASA to give a talk to its employees. Uh, Just to be clear, Kendi is an expert on critical race theory, which is like being an expert on the Greek gods or any other mythology. But he is not an astronaut, nor does he appear to have any expertise on subjects that astronauts would really need to know, unless they happen to encounter institutional racism on the moon, I suppose. Here's the email that NASA sent around to its employees. Uh, The email was obtained by the Daily Wire, and uh, it says, and this again was sent by NASA to its uh, employees, it says, The only way to undo racism is to consistently identify and describe it, and then dismantle it, writes Professor Ibram X. Kendi. That is the essence of anti-racism, the action that must be followed, both emotional and intellectual awareness of racism. Ibram X. Kendi is a renowned historian and author of How to Be Anti-Racist. Professor Kendi will speak to the NASA workforce on Wednesday, October 12th, or August 12th, rather, from 12.30 to 1.30 via Ustream. Now, if you're wondering how these anti-racist strategies will be employed, well, here they are in action. NASA uh, tweeted, I guess, kind of, you know, practicing what it preaches. NASA tweeted this over the weekend. Here's the tweet. It says, and this, this, by the way, is not a joke, okay? Just so you know, this is not Photoshop. As we work to identify and address systemic discrimination and inequality in all aspects of the scientific community, we are reexamining the use of unofficial terminology for cosmic objects, which can be not only insensitive, but actively harmful. The link brings us to an article on the uh, nasa.gov website, which we'll go through a little bit of this article here. Because, like I said, it is hilarious. Uh, It says, in part, distant cosmic objects, such as planets, galaxies, and nebulae, are sometimes referred to by the scientific community with unofficial nicknames. As the scientific community works to identify and address systemic discrimination and inequality in all aspects of the field, it has become clear that certain cosmic nicknames are not only insensitive, but can be actively harmful. NASA is examining its use of unofficial terminology for cosmic objects as part of its commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion. And then it continues as an initial step. uh, NASA will no longer refer to planetary nebula NGC 2392, the glowing remains of a sun-like star that is blowing off its outer layers at the end of its life as the Eskimo nebula. Eskimo is widely viewed as a colonial term with a racist history imposed on the indigenous people of the Arctic regions. Most official documents have moved away from its use. Yes. Okay. Sidebar here for a second. You notice uh, the phrase widely viewed as. They didn't say that Eskimo actually is a colonial term because, well, it definitely isn't. It is, according to the Alaska Native Language Center, an Inuit term which means netter of snowshoes. It is not offensive. It is not a slur. It is not colonial. It is not racist. But it's widely viewed as racist and therefore we're told it is racist. But this is not how reality works. Okay? Look at it this way. There are two adults and four kids in my family. It would be accurate to say that in my house, ice cream is widely viewed as a magical food source that you could eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day forever and still live a long and healthy life. Those who hold that opinion outnumber the alternative perspective by two to one. Yet despite how it's viewed, if my kids were able to live according to their views on this point or frankly on any other point, they'd be dead in a month, okay? because that's how reality works. Doesn't matter how it's viewed, the reality is the reality. In any case, the name of the nebula has been changed, and so um, now finally those who have been traumatized by the existence of an Eskimo nebula 36 quadrillion miles away can rest easy knowing that the sky above them as they sleep is a little less racist. Other changes are also being made. Um, Going back to the article, because, you know, there's, there's a lot of uh, offensive, bigoted names in space, apparently. It says NASA will no longer use the term Siamese Twins Galaxy to refer to NGC 4567 and NGC 4568, a pair of spiral galaxies found in the Virgo Galaxy Cluster. Moving forward, NASA will use only the official International Astronomical Union designations in cases where nicknames are inappropriate. Okay, another sidebar. How is this offensive? Siamese twins is a name that comes from a famous set of conjoined twins in the 19th century, Siamese referring to their land of origin. What, what What's offensive here exactly? Is the name racist because it refers to a place? Is it that, I mean, is that all it takes for it to be racist now? Or is it offensive to actual Siamese twins? Why would it be offensive to Siamese twins for them to be acknowledged in this way? I, I thought it was offensive not to acknowledge marginalized people. So which is it? Should we honor the marginalized by taking their names off of stuff, or should we honor them by putting their names onto stuff? Or both? Or maybe we employ one strategy on even days and another on odd days. I mean, how does this work exactly? But it gets even more ludicrous, if you can believe it, okay? It gets even worse. Listen to this. It says, Nicknames are often more approachable and public friendly than official names for cosmic objects, such as Bernard 33, whose nickname, the Horsehead Nebula, invokes its appearance. But often seemingly innocuous nicknames can be harmful and detract from the science. Okay, wait a second. It's not clear to me here exactly, but are they saying that Horsehead Nebula is offensive too? Is that. I'd like to say no, they're not. They're clearly saying that it's approachable and friendly but I just, I don't know anymore. You can never assume. You can't assume any ounce of rationality or common sense when it comes to leftists. You just can't. So it seems that they might be saying that horsehead nebula is offensive to who exactly? Deformed freaks with horse heads? Is it offensive to them or actual horses? Or is it offensive to the nebula itself because it's body shaming? I don't know. Well, all we know is that uh, Thomas Zerbuchin, Associate Administrator of NASA's Science Mission Dictoriate, uh, or Directorate Dictoriate, I can't speak, oh, but you can't point that out because that's offensive to me, uh, at headquarters in Washington says, our goal is that all names are aligned with our values of diversity and inclusion and we will proactively work with the scientific community to help ensure that um, science is for everyone and every facet of our work needs to reflect that value. And you see, this is the rub right here. NASA's values are diversity and inclusion. Why? I mean, I know why. I I, I ask why rhetorically as a figure of speech. So, I, I mean, why? In what way does diversity and inclusion help NASA to fulfill its proper function? Its proper function, which is, according to its own website, to, quote, drive advances in science, technology, aeronautics, and space exploration to enhance knowledge, education, innovation, economic vitality, and stewardship of Earth. That's a good function, if you ask me. It would be great if NASA did that stuff. I remember when NASA did do that stuff. And if that, that being exploration and innovation, is its mission and its goal, then in what way precisely does diversity and inclusion advance it? In what way does a greater focus on political correctness advance it? In what way is it advanced by a commitment to social justice? If anything, all of that only interferes with proper functioning. It certainly doesn't aid it by any stretch of the imagination. But just think about it. What sort of attitude do you need to go out into the great unknown and explore? Well, just look at Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin. These were brilliant, highly skilled men but they were also extremely tough men, and men who, especially especially in uh, Armstrong's case, didn't care much for other people's feelings. This is the profile of pretty much every explorer ever in history. Brilliant, courageous, tough, even at times brutal, ambitious, single-minded, perhaps obsessive. This is the kind of attitude and approach that's necessary to achieve great things and to do what has never been done and to go where no one has gone before. What about innovation? I mean, what do you need in order to innovate? What sort of people do you need for that? Well, you need again, brilliant, skilled people. Also, you need courage, different kind of courage often, but you need courage. Um, you need people who are focused, who are driven, people who think differently, people who can look at problems from an, from an entirely new perspective. So, so once again, if you're if you're NASA, how does a focus on diversity and inclusion help you find those kinds of people? It doesn't at all. If you want to find those kinds of people, you look for those kinds of people, whatever they happen to look like, whatever of the 198 genders they happen to be. You find people who can do the job, and that's it. I can't think of any arena in which diversity and inclusion matter less than in the arena of space exploration. It is the most irrelevant and ridiculous consideration, as it always is. In all contexts, but especially in this one. So, NASA is canceled. And that's the end of the show today. Thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for listening. Godspeed. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five star review. Tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, and The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical producer is Austin Stevens, edited by Danny D'Amico, and our audio is mixed by Robin Fenderson. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2020. Hey everyone, it's Andrew Clavin, host of the Andrew Claven Show. The mostly peaceful Democrat violence continues to leave Democrat cities mostly not in flames, and the press mostly won't report it. Why? Because if there's one thing that drives the left insane, it's reality. We'll talk about reality on the Andrew Clavin Show. I'm Andrew Clavin.